Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. We've got a very special podcast today, two in-studio guests, and so many topics to cover. We absolutely have to open this one in prayer. Uh, Father, please guide us today by your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And Lord, I know you're doing a lot of things in this country, and we need your help. We need your grace And, Lord, we need your wisdom. And uh, for Christians, Lord, help us to engage in the fight and not back away. And we just pray that you'd strengthen the church for those that you need to bring to repentance, God. I know you're working. Please do. Let the hearts be receptive. And, Father, for our purposes here, Lord, help us to inform, challenge, and encourage those who are listening. Prepare their hearts right now to receive. And, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask that you'd guide us. We love you. We thank you for the promises that you've given us. We thank you for the inheritance that we have to look forward to that are already locked in. Thank you that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we trust you in all things, Lord. Increase our faith today, one day at a time, for the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you know, friends, the Prophecy Conference in Appleton is today and tomorrow. Sunday morning. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to welcome our in-studio guests, Elijah Abraham and Chris Quintana, both all the way from Texas. Guys, you made it here. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, Chris, this is your first time in studio, so I should say welcome to the first time. Elijah, you've been here before, and uh, so good to have you guys. Now, I want to prepare you who are listening right now for whatever is going to take place here. I almost feel like offering a disclaimer before we start. Because we we had a spirited and fun conversation before we got on the air. We are going to talk about some serious issues today, but we do want to have some fun. Christians can have fun and at the same time have joy in the Lord, trust Him, and even though there's challenging times and we've got some serious topics to cover. So let's start with the conference. We've got Elijah Abraham, Curtis Bowers, David Hawking, Chris Quintana, Russ Miller, music with Bruce Carroll. I believe you can still register. Um... And go to Calvary Chapel, Appleton, ccappleton.org, as in the days of Noah. Um, your thoughts first, Elijah, on the conference. And this is a very interesting time, not only what's happening in 2020, but leading up to an, a big election in November. Well, um, I had the privilege of participating in this conference since 2013 and every year uh, being invited and um, looking at the progression since 2013. Uh, with the issues of the the conference or uh, every year, it's uh, it's really kind of uh, looking at the scripture kind of being fulfilled in our lifetime. And I look at uh, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles really dreamed of the days that we live in, in today. Uh, mm. Christians don't see it that way. Mm-mm. Christian, uh, and I, again, I have to say, not all Christians, right. but majority of Christians uh, saw <clears throat> into. Um, the news, and they have uh, really lost the joy of the Lord. And the, because a lot of them not being taught the Scripture, they are not seeing the world from a biblical point of view that where we are now. So um, every year uh, there are issues, and it's getting worse and worse as far as the culture and the world. But from a biblical perspective, hallelujah, bring Praise it on, God. Lord Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that's how I see it. Yeah, Chris Quintana, we're— as in the days of Noah. That's what the title of the Prophecy Conference. And we, are, we know what's going on in, in the country, in the world. Most of us are informed. Some people get overwhelmed by the news and lose that joy of the Lord. We've had an incredible hope. Just speak about the conference and what you're perceiving. What I'm really excited about when you hear the word prophecy, um, we're just so used to the term. But the implication to that is that God has spoken about things, and so we can understand what prophecy actually is because God has told us things in advance. And that makes it unique. That that is unique to the God of the Bible, that he'll tell you of things before they actually take place. So whether that's been before or after, we get together every September for a prophecy conference. 
if God didn't tell you, here's what the world looks like at any particular time in snapshot, there would be no reason to get together. And as a little side thing, uh, I, we've been going to the, the conference. I got there. The first one I ever went to was September of 2012. And then yours, like you said, was 2013. And I want to tell you, it's just been wonderful to watch the personal growth in you. You went from being that <laughs> stuffy guy that was in the in the suit that first I year. I know. That's crazy. Now you've loosened up and, and you're more animated now, which is great. You uh, were just such Wait a, a minute. You wore a suit? Well, oh. they did not send me the, the memo saying, this is Calvary Chapel. Dress code. Yeah, this is not your typical <laughs> church out there. So I showed up with a suit and tie, and you should see these speakers. They gave me such hard times. Good <laughs> thing was... I brought my Hawaiian shirt and my suitcase. <laughs> so after the first session, I went and changed. And them. I don't know what was worse. And then uh, I start wearing my Indonesian shirt. So I start, <laughs> every time I go to Indonesia, I send these guys, especially Chris, these wild, crazy shirts. Seriously, that he is batteries. too scared to wear them. So, well, anyway, uh, what was funny is sitting next real to, men can wear these shirts. <laughs> <laughs> sitting next to Dwight, looking at him and saying, What is this guy all about? Look at him. Didn't you tell him? And then, so it didn't did. take that long. Yeah, yeah. So he loosened up a little bit. I did. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. We've become, well, you know, just truth be told, I know we have some very heavy topics to deal with, but on a very personal level between Elijah and myself, we've become very, very good friends. And now we live very close to one another. So our families are getting much more acquainted with one another. And it's, it's just been such a joy over the years to, to uh, call him friend. And he's one of those guys that I'll say it's, it's great to have phone numbers that you call and they will actually answer. I know. (laughs) So uh, you're one of the few that still does that. It's just great. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, guys, uh, we're going to get into a lot of topics today, and it's just such a blessing to have you in studio. And what we're going to try to do is two parts, podcast one, podcast two, because there is so much to talk about, not just what's happening in 2020. We'll talk about COVID. We'll talk about what's happening in the church We'll talk about social justice and Black Lives Matter, which is not going to go away. But one thing I think I'd like to just touch on is today, the anniversary of 9-11. Every year, it's an anniversary. Looking back on what happened in 2001, it's sobering when you stop and just think about it, the reality of what happened. But we've forgotten after about six months. We will never forget. And then America kind of forgot. forgot. People stopped going to church, those who were went to church because right after 9-11. We unified for a short amount of time. Just like to get your quick thoughts on on that. And it's it's sobering. And Elijah, especially you from an aspect of maybe national security, what's going on? Well, like you said, um, I start speak uh, I, I start speaking about the danger of Islam way before 9-11. And at the time I was going to seminary at the time and um begging pastors uh, really to educate their people. And they really did not see it as a threat. And as uh, many Christians and many Americans never heard, uh, really, they've heard of Islam. Some of them thought Islam was a country. (laughs) Um, And even the word jihad and so on. So they did not get that. All of a sudden, 9-11 happened. And that's when I got really busy. But that, like you said, did not last long. Short, short-term memory kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, it's an American culture. It's all about here and now, short-term. That's why we are what I call microwave generation. Uh, even they apply that to, to evangelism. They don't want to wait on the Holy Spirit. They don't want to wait on the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to convict and convert people. Uh, it, give me a method. What's the silver bullet? Let me follow that method because I want results here and now because I want somebody to say, oh, look at Johnny. He's such a great soul winner. And that we apply this on everything. Good point. So therefore, when you have the, and that's what we talk about so many times, that the culture influences the church instead of the influence in the culture. So the church starts seeing the world from a cultural Western 21st century point of view instead of from a biblical point of view. Uh, From a biblical point of view, we need to be watchmen on the wall on every aspect, not just on spiritual things. So when the church looking at that, um, they have really, uh, because uh, the culture, uh, especially the media, and uh, they have an agenda. So when it's something they want to push, that's all you hear. And, but that doesn't mean the other issues are calmed down or uh, not active. So now it's interesting when uh, Obama became a president, he put the Islamic agenda on steroids. And all you yeah. hear, a lot of it is about Islam this, Islam that, wonderful this, and 
uh, you know, Obama put uh, uh, training uh, the FBI, the federal governments about Islam mm-hmm. and, and uh, forcing the kids in school that Allah and Yahweh are the same. Islam is wonderful. That's is being put so hard. And then political correctness settled in even more about not to talk about Islam and Sharia law and so forth. Um, and they ha- the Muslim community, especially those who are proponents of the Islamic agenda and Sharia law, became more and more emboldened. And uh, during the 2016, they established their own political party in the United States. So just imagine a Nazi party was established in the United States back in, during the Second World War. And that's what we have. Mm. And it's still active, has not been done away with. And it's proven that they are, uh, you know, Islam. Uh, and Islamic proponents are pushing um, uh, jihad and, yeah. and terrorism and so forth. And I don't have to go through all of the which organizations. But now, since President Trump became president, where he started calling it Islamic terrorism, where Obama would not, and that's when the media starts not talking about it. Hmm. And so when they're not talking about it, it's not in front of you all the time. And the Islamic agenda is not being pushed. So not kind of more or less being the, put in the back burner, but that does not mean Islamic Sharia law pushers from the Islamic point of view mm-hmm. went to sleep. So, you know what, let's wait until next election and see who's going to come. No, they're still doing it. They're still doing the political correctness. Ilhan Omar and all of the uh, what's her, Talib from uh, they are pushing it on that end. But they are always aligned with the left, always aligned with communism. And if you've, you've seen my presentation where I uh, look at Islamic communism, have common grounds and so forth. Um, but my concern right now, because of Antifa, which is a, a communist movement, because of uh, L, uh, BLM, a communist movement, they go hand in hand alongside with the Sharia law and Islamic proponents uh, that end, especially those who really want to change this nation, take away our constitutional rights and so forth. So at certain point, and that's, I have not really said this a whole lot publicly, and now it's your lucky day. <laughs> uh, I am mentioning it publicly. Um, my concern is that this anarchy and these groups will cooperate and, and align themselves with those who are pushing Sharia law in mm. the United States because they have common goal and the common goal, get rid of the Constitution of the United States, yep. change this country fundamentally to a dictatorship, uh, leftist, communist dictatorship and Sharia law. Uh, those who are pushing Islam, uh, really looking at how what the West is doing, especially America, what is doing to itself. They just laugh in their head. It's like, man, you guys making it easy for us. Mm. So. Uh, some people uh, listen to me saying this, say, you're kind of conspiracy theorist. Uh, that's no longer the case. They are saying it publicly. I hope most people realize that right. at this he point. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been talking about this way back since 1997, mm-hmm. since God called me to ministry. And uh, you guys heard me speak so many times about this. Um, and... I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet, but I have seen so many things that I've mentioned or uh, showed concern 15, 10, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now it's happening. It's not like, uh, because I know the future. It's just I read the news. I know the, the, the world views, and this is what's happening. These are the goals, and they are doing it where the American people definitely asleep, but for the God's people to stay asleep, that, that we have no excuse. You've got all these entities and organizations coming against, on the surface, it's Donald Trump. Right. Underlying that, it's to take down the United States. Right. But the foundation we know is a spiritual battle. Right. It's against Jesus Christ. Chris, uh, it's interesting, Elijah mentioned uh, Islam now possibly going to be aligning with BLM and Antifa and all these communist groups. It's interesting that the LGBT is one of those groups that's against, apparently, Donald Trump and against Christianity in America and can you, the what's odd about Islam and the LGBT <laughs> being strange bedfellows working together because of what is taught in the Quran? And I want to ask you, that's your part one of your question, Chris, about how we've got these really seemingly polar opposite organizations working together in this goal to take down America, Donald Trump, it's against Christ. But the other part is uh, you mentioned before we got on there, in 2016, there was an attack on police in was it Dallas? Was it Black Lives Matter? Yeah. So I'd love for you to speak to that, 
because this is not a new thing since Donald Trump has been in office is what the media is kind of portraying. Sure. And, you know, it's probably a good thing to to say if we look at any one particular thing that's happened really in the last 19 years since 9-11, we kind of missed the big picture. So let me really quickly address that. And I am really thankful, Elijah, that you had talked about how a lot of people would roll their eyes at what he just said and said conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, go look at both Antifa and uh, and BLM's website and exactly what you just said. They're saying it publicly. So whether it's LGBT, how do you find any common ground with Islam in that? It's exactly. like, well, it's the end justifies the means because as you would be able to well, speak to. You, yeah. Sure, exactly. Just get us to our destination and we'll deal with you later. <laughs> right now, you're you're right. a means to an end for us. Yeah. So that's the ideology that's behind it. But I remember my daughter was 11 years old at the time. She came into our room that morning on 9-11 and we're watching the buildings on fire. And after a while, they collapsed. And, you know, you try to summarize everything that you've just watched and you're numb. But I remembered saying to her, there is the world has changed and it will never be the same after today everything changes. Mm -hmm. So you and I both had to get on a plane to get here oh, yeah. and everything about going through an airport is from 19 years ago. We've forgotten. I had interesting, lots of interesting experiences on that one. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> that it's changed our existence and now we've accepted it. What we find here 19 years later, we're in the middle of the whole COVID thing. And this is the most significant change in the way that the world operates since 9-11 right. of 2001. So now we've waited 19 years to change the way everything is done. Here's a great example that we've seen in how things have changed so much. You mentioned 2016, Elijah, uh, you were living in the area right. around Texas where that happened. Mm -hmm. I was still in California. But BLM, most people think that for some reason that's something that, that just came into operation since mm -hmm. George Floyd in Minneapolis. Right. So that's nonsense. Yeah, I know. They've been around during the Obama years, yep. but it wasn't something that was so, it was, so, it was not as caustic then because the political climate didn't allow for it necessarily. But what took place in 2016 was a march that was going through Dallas and a, a, a crazed, you know, I, I'll call it, I'll say it like it was, just an animal who was looking to kill people. Mm. So it was a man with a rifle killed five officers. I think three, maybe four of them were men of color. Uh, right. So it wasn't about, I'm just going to go out and kill white people like, you know, you would want to see, you, you people would, would want to try to make it about that. It wasn't that at all. It was just indiscriminate violence for the sake of violence. And what they wanted to do was to have the uh, cowboys honor the five fallen police officers in, in the NFL nixed it. So uh, that never happened. So here we fast forward four years, just four years. And now the, the idea that we would not want to acknowledge five officers who lost their lives at the hand of a terrorist. Right. Wow. But now that same group that is still just as terroristic in what they do, now they're being honored because we've quit making what is a concept that black lives matter. We're now talking about the organization Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, those two things get run together and they are totally opposite. The global network. You better black believe lives it. Matter. So yep. if somebody wants to come to me and say, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter? I'm going to ask very Which simply one? the question. Exactly. <laughs> are you talking about the organization or the principle and the thought? The idea, yeah. Because if it's the idea, the thought, the principle, whatever, okay, I want to say Black Lives Matter. Life, life is is sacred as far as God is concerned, and yet we live in a culture that just says, you know, life is convenient and it can be terminated if it's inconvenient, but you want me to somehow take one particular group. All right, we, um, there's so many other topics we want to get to, but that's one we will dive into a little bit more about Black Lives Matter. We've talked about that, what it means, the background, where the money goes, if you donate on the BLM website, it goes to Act Blue. They fund Democrats. A billion dollars have gone to the Democrat wow. Party. That was just since uh, the end of June this year. Wow. So people think they're giving to a good cause, but we're going to talk about why it's dangerous and not wise for Christians to be supporting this. They want to do it out of compassion. Um, they w mean well. But I think uh, their efforts need to be questioned if you know what the Bible teaches and what is really behind this. Also, when we come back with Chris Quintana and Elijah Abraham, we're talking about COVID-19. We have to ask what's happening with religious freedom. It's an issue for the churches and where that's going to go next on Stand It For The Truth. Keep it right here. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We are in studio with Chris Quintana and Elijah Abraham, who will be both presenting, speaking at the Prophecy Conference in Appleton this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow. Um, we were talking about Black Lives Matter a little bit. Chris, we left off with you. I think I, I still want to go a little deeper, only because we always have new listeners tuning in, and we have new listeners from even a couple months ago when we addressed all these issues, talked about what BLM stood for, not the idea, but uh, we really need to give Christians some ammo, I guess, a way to respond to this, because one of the hardest accusations to refute when they come at you both barrels loaded is, is you're a racist. Mm-hmm. You, you don't believe all black lives matter. Okay, but then we talk about, okay, what about all the blacks being taken in abortion? You don't, you don't you know, protest abortion clinics because that's the highest. Anyway, let's talk about what they stand for and what they represent right. and what's in there, actually what they believe on their own website. So people can say, well, wow, now I see maybe an issue for me as a Christian to support that. Well, here's something that Elijah and I are absolutely lockstep in this. We believe that pretty much every topic that's out there can be used for apologetics. And to me, one of the arts, if you will, of apologetics or giving a reason why we believe what we believe is answer a question with a question. So if somebody comes to me and as soon as BLM comes out, most people get defense. You know, they become defensive because they're afraid of getting pigeonholed as being some closet racist. Mm -hmm. We would be the ones to, to... counter that and say, well, let me ask you a question. What do you mean by BLM? Are you talking about the principle of it? Or, you know, like what we've said, is the concept, the thought, the, the belief that black lives matter? Or are we talking about the organization? Because depending on how you answer that question, you're talking about two entirely different things. So the concept, if they say, well, the idea that people's lives matter, absolutely. Black, white, whatever color, whatever you want to, to speak about his life, because then I can start saying, if we want to get into the abortion issue, why is it that if we're so concerned about life, we're not concerned about those lives, but only these ones? And then we start to get behind mm-hmm. what's really going on here. What are we really talking about? Then I can turn it to and say, now, if you're talking about the organization Black Lives Matter, that's a whole different, it's a whole different discussion because then I can say, have you ever visited their website to see their stated goals, what they want to see happen? They hate the idea of a constitutional uh, republic like mm-hmm. we have that is capitalistic yep. in its view. So They're and, Marxists. Exactly. The co-founders. Sure. So you want to say, if you want to know, do I support a Marxist organization that wants to undermine the entirety of the United States in its constitutional format, I'm going to reject that out of hand. I have nothing that I can say favorable about that organization. Mm-hmm. Their, their stated goals really aren't even like what most people think BLM is supposed to be about. Look at their website. You have it right there for you. It is overtly racist in, in what its objectives are. Well, let me uh, follow up with a question, Chris, and I'll keep it with you here, and Elijah will get your response in a minute. People don't even know how to respond when you say, well, look at the amount of black people that have been killed or murdered since these protests started. I think it's about 12, maybe. I mean, overall, 20 plus people have been killed or died during these riots. Mm-hmm. Most of them are black. Right. Don't You don't hear much about their black lives, do you? So it's not just an issue of the black babies in an abortion clinic. It's the issue of they're killing black police officers. So they're against authority and the system against police. How do people respond to that? Be honest with it. Because, again, we're, we're, if you notice, most of the time, whenever somebody's trying to put you on the defensive, they're going to call you a racist or they're going to call you some pejorative to put you on the defensive, thinking that they can silence the discussion. Immediately. Yeah. I'm not playing. Right. I, I, I'm not going to play your game. So uh, you're going to come at me. We've had this conversation, Elijah and I. That's kind of like a. It, I like to play what I would call spiritual jujitsu. You're going <laughs> to come at me with some kind of a momentum. Let me use it back on you because I'm going to take what you're saying and make you think through it because you're basically sloganeering it at some point. You're just repeating a blog or something you saw on MSNBC. Okay, great. You can play that game all you want to, but don't expect me to participate. I'm going to push back on that by simply asking a question. I'm not looking to argue and scream and yell. I just want to find out how much of you really thought through this or are you just repeating what you've heard? 
there's so much Elijah um, peer pressure because it's the compassionate thing for Christians to go along with this because, yes, racism has never completely gone away and it's still an issue to some degree, but this lie that America is an evil, racist country and that it is a systemic issue, that's got to be debunked. What are your thoughts? First on maybe what Chris shared and then about this idea of systemic racism. Again, from a Christian perspective, we got to look at this from a a spiritual point of view. This is demonic. There's a, a spiritual war going on and basically Satan and his demons taking the mask off and it manifesting itself in the physical realm. Um, when we talked about BLM and their website and so on, they're going after the church as well. They, took on, taken, they want to take your religious liberty and my religious liberty because we believe all lives matter. So they want to silence the church in that end. And you have many uh, not really, don't wanna, they want to avoid it. They don't want confrontation. But what concerns me as well, we have, we got to protect our young people within the church. What I mean young people are teenagers because majority of our teenagers in our churches are public school educated. Well, uh, it's been <laughs> proven that the public school is in indoctrination for 12 years of our oh, children boy. and mine. Thank God that we homeschool. Uh, we never uh, put our kids in public school. So that's a different discussion. But here's the discussion I want to share with you. This is a real life issue. I, uh, I was working on my uh, presentation of material and doing research for this, uh, for this weekend. So I was at a coffee shop and uh, a young lady came um, in her 20s. Uh, she said, is that seat taken? I said, just cross the table. I said, yeah, it's available. And she was kind of friendly. She started talking and what am I doing? And I said, come to find out she grew up in Thailand as a missionary kid. She is working on her PhD at the university. But the more I talked to her, she identified herself as liberal. She is no longer a Christian because she's now identifies herself as agnostic. She is so much into, she said, oh yeah, I believe in BLM and Antifa and all of that. And she's working on PhD in political uh, science and so on. So she is her the future Mm. teachers of our young generation. And she also uh, rejects the authority of a husband in the house uh, because she said, I will have more education than him. I will have more money than him. So what I'm saying here, the reason I share this, our young people who grew up in the church, you have no guarantee what is going to get into their brain and brainwash them because Satan coming after us. After your kids, and, you know, I hear a lot about within this American Christianity. Oh, Jesus have a wonderful plan for your life. He does. But the flip side of that coin, Satan has a wonderful plan for your life as well. <laughs> and that's something we don't think about. We don't even protect our children, uh, our uh, teenagers. Or, you know, people say, well, um, I don't want to talk about uh, theology to my child because he does not understand. We'll wait until they get to the youth program and the youth minister will do it. I said, wait a minute. Can you please look at the youth minister and see what does he dress, what he looks like? Some of these youth guys married and have kids, but he still want to wear uh, outfits like a 17-year-old. At the same time, you go to a typical youth uh, program or Wednesday night. What are they teaching? Are they teaching theology? Are they teaching apologetics? Are they preparing these young people by the Mm. time they get to college, know how to stand firm on the scripture and defend their faith? Statistically speaking, George Bond Institute, way back in 2004, I don't know if he updated those statistics. Our young kids who grew up in the church, by the time they leave the, uh, uh, go to college, 76 to 82% of our young people leave the church. The question is why? One, the parents dropped the ball because they assumed a lot. They assumed that the church will do their job. It does not start when they're youth. They start as soon as that baby starts talking and what, tell them about the Lord Jesus, memorize scripture, talk about eschatology. My kids, before they even became, uh, you know, turned 10 years old, we already went through a book of Revelation. We already talked about eschatology. Is it too hard for them? No, it's your job to simplify things, but keep the biblical truths together. The reason I'm saying this just because your quote-unquote Christian family does not mean that you are guaranteed your kids not going to be brainwashed yeah. and, and will be stolen by Satan. Hmm. 
And we're not even talking about the garbage, the soul pollution that Hollywood puts out. Oh, yeah. That kids are inundated by on social media, videos, movies, music. And I made the point yesterday, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but if you're, how do you know your kids, especially if they're going to public school, are not hanging around a lot of other kids that are either unbelievers, atheists, and and are really hostile toward the things of God, they're influencing your kids big time. And they're spending all day with them at school with other kids that don't believe in Jesus and believe in the worldly stuff. Yeah, I hear a lot when when I do the uh, speaking churches in America for the last 20-some years, I have a lot of people come to me and really get some my face. This is within the church. Uh, well, but we need our kids to be missionaries in these public schools. So they're friends. Oh, my I goodness. said, okay, how, how good of a theologian and missionary your kids are. Oh. So, uh, again, they uh, look, I'm not so tr- trying to hammer this hard. We talked about this. But we are seeing the fruit of this lab- labor of these kind of uh, generation in our churches. The reason America the way it is is because the foundation is crumbling, and the foundation is the church and the culture. That's why I keep saying American Christianity is really not biblical Christianity because a lot of the culture to influence the church and the church influence on the culture, and as a result, start influencing uh, uh, some Bible colleges and seminaries, and we could count on how many seminaries and Bible colleges still believe in the authority of the Scripture the and inerrancy, scr- Scripture yes. alone. Second, it started influencing some, not all, some mission agencies. It started influencing some Bible translations. And guess what we're doing? We're exporting that overseas. And that's what I encounter overseas. And by the way, it's happening much, much, much earlier than what you even said from that Barner research in 2004. They start, kids start doubting. This is new research. They start doubting their faith, if they were brought up Christian, in Middle school right. doesn't mean they've turned away, right. but they start doubting because of evolution, whatever is taught in the schools, they start doubting. Um, it reminds me of Psalm eleven three. if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You mentioned how important that foundation is. Chris, back to the subject of Black Lives Matter and that if we don't have a good foundation to understand that biblical worldview, it's easy to fall for this, but, but you mentioned go to their website. I think a lot of Christians have not done their due diligence. They are a global movement supporting abortion, transgenderism. They, quote, support environmental justice. Hmm, we know what justice is. God loves justice. God is a God of justice. When you put a word in front of that, environmental justice. Hmm, we'll talk about social justice in a minute. Racism, homosexuality, the LGBT. According to the website, they're working to dismantle white privilege, They frown upon male leadership roles, law enforcement, the traditional family. They aim to remove President Trump from office. And these are things you can find out on their website. And now that you know some of this, Christian, and here's a question that you can uh, respond to, Chris. Do you agree that Christians have to decide whether to follow this and support this movement or to follow Christ? Is it that black and white? Of course it is. Yeah. But most people might not think so. Of course it is. But see, you know, it's funny, as I was listening to what you were saying, you realize that that so much of the culture, the secular culture, is just driven by sound bites and slogans. The church is too, unfortunately, because as I heard somebody say once before, um, I'm pretty sure it was Pastor Romaine, if I'm not mistaken, from from old Costa Mesa, um, but he he talked about Christianity being a mile wide but an inch deep. So it's it, it has no depth, and it, it the, you use one of the, the uh, phrases that you hear so often. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Right. Y- you can't tell someone that because that talks about just right here, right now. How many people do we know that are believers that their life is filled with seemingly an unending, you know, series of tragedy Trials, and difficulty? Yes. What we want to be able to say is God has a wonderful plan for your future, but what happens in the eternal sense? What between here and then? You may have all kinds of dicey mm-hmm. things that will yes. happen. So we got to quit trying to, to work by slogan for the church. Thank you. How many places do we go in the world? You visit oh, them. Oh, yeah. And you will see that those people don't have anything of an earthly kind of a, of a comfortable life. Right. Oddly enough, some of those are the most joyful Christians you'll find who have Amazing. nothing in the yes. material sense. Yep. So they're filled with joy, but they're not happy necessarily right. because their lives are difficult and hard and harsh. What we have to do is get beyond the silly sloganeering of of American Christianity and say, especially now, because churches are now starting to come under some real persecution, 
And as there is the ascendancy of the Antifa and BLM and all the rest of that stuff, the church is in the crosshairs of those guys. Right. You'll start to empty churches out quickly if it starts to become inconvenient to be a believer. And we've been feeding them slogans for a generation. I want to piggyback on that, God having a wonderful plan for your life. Can you imagine going to a nation, like, for example, going to Africa where Christians have lost family members, they've maybe had their house burned down, their churches destroyed, they're in a village or going from village to village hiding. And can you imagine a pastor saying, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. He wants you to be healthy and wealthy. And so we're going to talk about Joel Osteen, not to gang up on him, but I've got an email from a listener about his theology and she likes his positive Mm -hmm. faith. So we want to talk about that because that is a message that the Christian culture in America has consumed. Mm-hmm. Look on, at his best-selling books. Sure. We've eaten them up. And so people, these are sound bites. These are, hey, you got to have faith. You just got to visualize. God wants you to be blessed. He wants to give you favor. I don't mean to be impersonating uh, Osteen, but this is the idea of these lies that are put out there. So, Chris, we've only got two minutes left in this segment, but along those lines, we follow a lot of things that one would say might not be biblical Every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand, and then say, bye, where's the follow-up? Were they truly converted? Was it sorrow that led them to repentance? Your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, the church is very, in the Western church, really big on let's make converts. Yeah. But we don't make disciples. There's the problem. They assume they're true converts. Yeah, they might not even be converts is what we're seeing in the churches today. Yeah, because the churches oftentimes are so focused on the, quote, non-church that every, every church service is focused on the gospel to the unsaved. But what about the people who are already saved? You're systematically starving your people by not teaching them the Word. Yes. So the evangelism should be taking place outside or on a particular evening where you have a group of people that will come and do music or whatever else. There's your evangelism. But imagine, like you had said, I know that we're coming up on a break, but think about what it's like if you go into those places in Africa where they have absolutely nothing. Do you want to hand them a copy of your best life now? That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It functions in the West because it can function in the West, but it doesn't function in a lot of places. That's true. And sadly, a lot of men have made a living off of that American Christianity prosperity idea, and it is heartbreaking because some people, when— when the storms hit their life, they go, where's God now? I'm supposed to be blessed and favored. Anyway, more with Elijah Abraham and Chris Quintana. When we come back, we will address COVID-19, how it is affecting churches and the religious freedom issue on Stand Up For The Truth. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're blessed to have two in-studio guests today, Elijah Abraham, Chris Quintana. They're going to be speaking at the Prophecy Conference in Appleton later today and tomorrow, as in the days of Noah, the 2020 Great Lakes Prophecy Conference. Guys, we're going to wrap up uh, this topic. We're talking about American Christianity versus biblical Christianity. For our veteran listeners that have heard you preach on that topic quite a bit in the past, Elijah, as important as it is, we can't stop reminding people to go back to the Bible, understand what true Christianity is. It's not necessarily what we have, a cultural uh, Christianity in America. But I got an email. You know, sometimes we put up articles. We talk about what the things that are coming into the church, these ideas about prosperity and wealth, and God wants you to be happy and blessed. Name about a dozen positive words, and you can turn it into positive thinking. Go back to Norman Vincent Peale, which that's what I read before I was converted. I was into positive thinking, and I was following a lot of motivational speakers. Norman Vincent Peale, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, all the Wayne Dyer, oh my goodness, and the New Age. All these guys, because I liked what they were saying. It, it, it tickled my ears. So we put out articles on this, and this is one of the concepts that they seem to respond to because people don't like when you point out this might not be healthy and solid biblical teaching. Hi, David. I read your article. I understand your point of view. However, I also see Joel Osteen's point of view. A preacher's role, simply put, is to teach and open people to the Word of God. Ultimately, it is up to each person to work on their relationship with God. So many have been brought up with the fire and brimstone way of preaching that all they feel is guilt. That pushes people away from God. Osteen is focused on faith. I've never heard anyone hammer that concept home more than he does. 
That is the number one thing Jesus needs from us, faith. Osteen is making the choice simple on the front end, joyous and positive. Do not assume people walk out his door making no changes and learning nothing more. That just isn't true. What I question is your motive for writing the article. God does not want us bickering and fighting over who is better or not. And I think you missed the point altogether. Jesus didn't walk around making people read the whole Bible. <laughs> Sorry. He spoke a few simple words, but my dear, that, that view doesn't sell your books. So perhaps you should remove the speck from your own eye. God bless. I don't know who wants to address that first, Elijah well, or Chris, but this is a common, not the words necessarily, but the sentiment is common from Christians who speak to discernment ministries. You're being divisive for pointing out something. Elijah, well, start with you. You just have to be observant. Um, you don't have to go too far. Turn the, the TV on and watch uh, the service that John Olstein conducts. Um, and uh, he has a Bible in his hand. He waves it like a wand. The, the person in the email talks about faith, that all he talks about focus on faith. Great. When was the last time? Look, and I watched him. I'm not going to address somebody because I don't know him personally. He could be a wonderful guy uh, to his wife, a good husband, good father, good brother, good uncle, whatever. I am not addressing him uh, his private life. But if he's going to be public, it's open for uh, questioning. We got to be good Bereans. So meaning those who don't know that term, you got to compare everything. Those who are in the ministry and promote Christianity compared to the scripture. So I have not seen him stand still behind the pulpit and open the Bible, go through a text and exposit that text and go through what that text really means and how can I apply it into my life? I have not seen that. If, that. if that's the case, please send me a link. So I would love to hear how he takes a text and you know, interpret that text. You could talk about faith all you want. Muslims talk about faith. Good point. Buddhists talk about faith. Faith in what? And in whom? And how? So when you talk about prosperity gospel and all about faith and put your faith in God and he's going to provide for you. Look, I've been to Africa so many times. And to give an example, in Uganda, one of the poorest countries, I was teaching at a seminary there. And during lunch hour, they said, look, the largest church in Jinja, which is the second uh, city in Uganda, uh, they want you to come and share your testimony and preach. I said, it's lunch hour. Oh, yeah, they meet every lunch hour uh, every day, I said, well, how many people show up? And in my mind, you know, uh, probably about 15, 20 it's people. It's a lunch meeting, right? <laughs> yeah, they average 1,500 every lunch hour every day. So that's why it's the largest church in the city. It's a great. I'm looking forward to that. So I go over there, and it's like a big, huge tent kind of style. It's a poor. You got the outhouse right behind the stage. <laughs> the whole town stinks because there is no water. No, it's all outhouse. Wow. And you get used to that kind of smell. I thank God for aftershave and, <laughs> and essential oils. I shove it up my nose. <laughs> essential oils. That. So I, I got used to that. But anyway, so <laughs> I have not seen the pastor. So one of the elders or whatever. And of course, typical charismatic style worship and just wild. So I just went up there, shared share my testimony, said, open your Bibles. And they start looking at each other. Oh, let me find my Bible. So then I went through a text, wow. share, preach from there. We see people get saved, people crying, repenting. Hallelujah. Praise God. So by the time I get out waiting for my taxi, which is a motorcycle called Buddha Buddha. You talk about, <laughs> <laughs> I got pictures of that. I'll show it to you. So anyway, all of a sudden, I see this white, fairly new model Range Rover pulls up by the curb. A man comes out, all white, white shoes, wearing a Rolex, introduces himself as the pastor. The average daily wage in Uganda, probably about $1.50. Oh. And he is preaching prosperity gospel that American prosperity gospel preachers promoted and exported overseas. They talk about faith. You need to have faith, give, 
and God will bless you. But if he, if he preaches from the scripture, the more, more valuable than what they get in this life is their soul. Uh. God will use the word of God, his word, the Holy Spirit to convict and convert people. This person in the email complains about fire and brimstone. Jesus did not come to make your life wonderful and happy and rich. Jesus promised us as a born-again believer, the moment you accept Christ, your life of persecution starts. You will have tribulation and trials and these, but he gives us a guideline how to live through that. Jesus came to save sinners from the fire and lake of fire and hell. Hell exists, but the prosperity gospel, all they preach, they preach false Jesus. Yes. Jesus is a Santa Claus. Jesus is a genie in the Bible. You rub that bottle, Jesus will come and take care of this, take care of this, take care of that. Wait a minute, how about your soul? You could have all the richness in this world, but ultimately you're going to lose your soul in, in hell. Mm. So, Joel Osteen and guys like that, and as far as the scripture, forget about my, my opinion, forget about anybody, but as far as the scripture is concerned, he is a false prophet, and people who do not preach the gospel according to the scripture that Jesus came to save sinners, he's a false prophet. He is not talking, he is not preaching the truth because he's deceiving 30,000 people, if not more, in that stadium of his, which show me when the Bible says that you need to have a mega church. The church in Jerusalem wanted to have a mega church, but God said, uh, wait a minute, you forgot the Great Commission, let me send some persecution. Stephen, die. Okay, <laughs> now you're all over the world. So, at the same time, what is the purpose of the church? You go to Acts chapter 2. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But people, in, I don't know who's listening. Holy so Spirit, you're on a roll. Please don't stop. <laughs> the, the purpose of the church in Acts chapter 2, after the 3,000 got saved, four things, four essential things that the believers focused on. 242. Well, we'll get to that. Okay? Four things. One, <laughs> stop interrupting me. I'm Sorry. preaching here. Sorry. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the, number one, they were focusing on the teaching mm -hmm. of the, the apostles. Okay, the apostles, did they have the New Testament? No. It was being written in that process, but they were teaching the scripture. They were talking about the fulfillment of the scripture in Christ Jesus yes, and why right. he came. So they were focused on that. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been teaching. That's why the apostles said, look, it's not good for us to wait on tables and take care of it. We need to focus on prayer and teaching. So that's the thing. Second, they will focus on prayer. Third, focus on fellowship. And fourth, focus on breaking bread. Yeah. Where is this idea, let's preach about health and wealth? It's not there. Where is this idea, let's just have faith. Of course, I am saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not by my works. But my faith is, will grow even more when I've been fed by the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And Joel Austin starving these people. They are not being fed the true faith from the Word of God, they've been fed by this guy's faith, which is false. Mm. Now we could do an invitation. Okay, Chris, uh, we need to get your thoughts on this because uh, this is what's being preached. And a lot of people, when you talk about sin, hell, repentance, holiness, sanctification, they kind of look at you like, well, yeah, I, I believe I have faith. So I just want to get your thoughts before we have to wrap up this segment. Well, first of all, people need to know what just happened in the studio here. <laughs> He just did a Jerry Lee Lewis and kicked the chair out of the way, and he's standing here preaching. I'm terrified, Chris, and I know you. We're personal friends. What he says is incredibly important, though, and I do want to make sure that they understand this. Look to Jesus' prayer in, in John chapter 17, and it says there, I don't pray for these only, speaking of the disciples, but for those who will come to know me through their testimony. Right. So what we have in the writings of the apostles and then people like Paul that Jesus instructed directly the things that they had to say are exactly relevant as much as anything that he had ever said because they are his instruction. I would love for Paul, if we could snap our fingers and have him here to answer her email, but it would be something along this line, <laughs> I think. Second Timothy chapter 3, we all know the passage, verse uh, 16, it says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine after that, that's where do we get what we know is from the doctrine, the things taught in Scripture, but it is for this, for reproof and correction, 
both of those are varying degrees of saying there's error and that error needs to be addressed. So if it's given for doctrine, then ultimately for reproof and correction and then instruction in righteousness, that means that everything that is in Scripture is supposed to be in focus and being taught. You can't be one-sided on anything. If we want to talk about faith, great. If we want to talk about justice and judgment, we want to talk about that as well. That you, you can't be a one-trick pony, as the old saying goes. So if a person that is in the role of a pastor will not teach through the entirety of the Scripture, he is doing a disservice to the mm. sheep, the flock of God. That's the problem. So if people become focused and fixated on one particular preacher who has a very one-sided message that's very consistently the same thing, that in itself is an indication that there is a problem. Mm. So what we should be able to do is to take the Scripture at face value and not read ourselves into the text. The text is what's supposed to determine what we believe is truth in its entirety. Excellent. Amen. Excellent. The Word of God, we've got to know it, we've got to be able to apply it, and we've got to go back to it because some of what we hear taught and espoused in our Christian, well, not all of our churches, but there's some churches that are maybe the most popular. There's a reason why they are the most popular, and they attract a lot of people. My, I would go so far as to say they attract the world, but in order to attract the world, you're probably not giving them solid, sound doctrine. You're probably giving them something that is attractive, what people want to hear. And you grow in numbers, but what's the depth? A lot more to talk about. We're going to do a part two of this podcast with Chris Quintana and Elijah Abraham. Remember the Prophecy Conference coming up later on today in Appleton and tomorrow. And when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are for next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Don't go away. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Chris Quintana, what are you going to be talking about at the Prophecy Conference? Um, I have two sessions. One will be looking at the Israel Peace Plan because of what's happened with the UAE recently. Excellent. And then uh, also looking at the change in the vernacular when it comes to BLM and Antiphon. Where do they get that from, as in the days of Noah? Excellent. Elijah, how about you? Well, um, I'm going to approach it from uh, being a global missionary, uh, been in 45 countries, uh, looking at the challenges to the global church and how the church is being attacked and uh, where we are at now uh, as a church globally. Like the days of Noah, uh, people love violence and uh, their heart is full of uh, evil. So what are we supposed to be? How can we be light and salt of the earth? Excellent. Well, we are going to hear part two of this podcast next week. Uh, we also have a new guest, Mary Bodden. We'll be talking about how the uh, entertainment in Hollywood and everything else is really affecting our young people, and Christians are no different. Christian families have to really guard what comes into your home and your child's iPhones and computers. Also, Heather Weininger on Tuesday, Wisconsin Right to Life, plus Julianne Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. They're both on Tuesday. Um, next Thursday, Eric Jackson is a local author from Michigan. He wrote a book on being a feral Christian, and Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, will be with us next Friday, a full week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>